doing a little series on the spiritual armor of God. And uh, today I'd like to talk on uh, the gospel shoes, being prepared in the peace that you comes from the gospel. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 says this, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. For shoes... For the things that make you stand and for the things that make you walk, for the things that keep you not progressing backwards, why don't you access the peace that comes from the fact that you are in God's family? Why don't you say, I can be prepared if I understand what peace have been given? You know, we're in a campaign. We're not just living life. You will have different conflicts and you will need a strategy to get through those conflicts. And I shared with you some ideas about how to have a spiritual strategy in life. Now, these are not just nice ideas. These are biblical strategies of how you can push back darkness in your life. And the first strategy is prayer and praise. Now, be honest. Those of you are of a more quieter disposition, you still enjoyed that, right? Even if you were just watching other people. You see, because praise lifts and recalibrates your heart. In fact, Psalm 30 verse 1, we're not just having a shouting good time. Psalm 30 verse 1 actually says, I will exalt you, Lord, Uh, For you have lifted it out of my depths, and you did not let my enemies gloat over me. You see, the enemy this week has been saying to you, oh, you're not a very good Christian. God isn't doing much for you. And you come in here, and you've started singing about the resurrection power, and he's been gloating over you. You've just pushed him back. You've just said, eat that, Satan. See, prayer and praise is an absolute... Strategy to push back darkness. The second strategy is, if you've fallen out with somebody, you sit with them, you get in a room with them, and you talk to them until your heart is in peace, unity and forgiveness. There are some people who need to go home. You need to grab your, your honey or your roommate or your partner or your wife or your husband by the arm and say, we're not leaving this couch until we are together back in unity. Paul said, even if I've got something to forgive, I will forgive it because we are not unaware of Satan's schemes and we don't want him to outwit us. Satan wants to tear you apart. So you now have to say, I want to sit with you until we're together. We're going to talk about the gospel shoes today, about how that helps us. But the third strategy is mission and miracles. Some of us want to say, oh, I'll, I'll want to see your miracles, but you're not on mission. Actually, what the Bible says is, and these signs will accompany those who believe. They're not to be trinkets for us. We had a great testimony this morning in our first service. A lady who could not have children. I want to say, if there's anybody here struggling in that area, I just want to speak over to you that uh, G said to us this morning that she couldn't have children. And now, after prayer, after seeking God, she is 20 weeks pregnant. You know? Isn't that great? 
Now, I understand that that might be a stretch for some. And, and, you know, for some, that isn't that. But what I do want to say kindly and honestly, as you're on a mission, God will bring miracles. In fact, the Bible says these signs will accompany them. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And as they're on a mission, if they drink anything poison, not knowing that it was poison, not just taking the bleach bottle and testing God. Nobody do that. But as you're on a mission, if somebody tried to poison you, it will not harm you. Now, the fourth strategy, firstly, what we need to understand is prayer and praise. So when you're not here, even though you haven't got a full worship band, and, you know, none of us can take fits home with us. You know, but even though you haven't got a worship band, why don't you praise at home? Even if yours is quiet praise, but lift him up and it will push back darkness in your life. And as you begin to think to yourself, you know, I want to just make sure my heart is right with everybody. Let me sit down with them until that's sorted. Unity and forgiveness. And if you will then be on mission, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be on mission. You will see miracles come into your life. But Lastly, the, the provision that we have, if you will exercise irrational generosity, generosity that, that assaults your mind, that, that stretches your faith, that says, you know what, freely I have received, freely I'm going to give. If you'll do that, the enemy that has his fingers around poor hearts as you release generosity around you, it will unloosen his grip. It's a spiritual thing. Four strategies, not that I'm making them up. They all come from the scriptures. Now today we're going to look at the shoes as equipment, which helps you stand in the busyness of life. Shoes, in this example, are things that help you stand. Have you ever seen those films where where it's all buzzing around the person who's standing still, and it's like a fast film. I don't know what that technical term is. There's probably somebody in here that does that. And, you know, the, the film's buzzing around, but the person's walking really slow. Fast frame, whatever. Thanks, bro. That's so helpful. It helps me. And, and you know, this fast frame film, that's what the gospel shoes are in your life. When life is buzzing around you, it keeps you anchored, keeps you steady, keeps you in the peace of God, keeps you able to walk forward and not be distracted by all the buzzing around. It keeps you on the mission. Now, it gives you the reason what you can share and keeps you solid. I did some research. I don't really know this company. They do men's shoes as well as women's shoes, so I'm not just talking to the women today. But Jimmy Choo, does anybody know that? I thought it was a Chinese takeaway. I looked on the, on the you know, I thought it was for, like, food, but it was, like, shoes. Well, I know their whole range. The Annie 100s are 995 pounds. The Lucy 85s and the Romney 85s are only 450 pounds. The Emily 85s are 475 pounds. And the Vito 100s, nice model, they are 625 pounds. And the Dylan 85s, they are uh, 595 pounds. And the Ren 85s are 650 pounds. Whereas the Ren 35s are 595 pounds. 
But none of these and none of them are going to be able to make you stand in life. Now, I like my shoes. I like my shoes. I like a good pair of shoes will set you up. Isn't that right? And I'm not just talking to the women. A nice pair of shoes, you feel good about it, don't you? Can I hear an amen? But there's only one pair of shoes that are going to set you up for life. And these are the shoes that you have to put on as spiritual armor. And what the spiritual armor is, it's Christ and his characteristics, and his behaviors, and his thinking. A mountaineer doesn't wear flip-flops to go up a mountain. A mountaineer doesn't go that way. He wears walking boots, or mountaineer's boots, that are proper for the job. I used to pastor an American military church, an Air Force church, and when they were just about to go on exercise, the colonel and sometimes the general would gather all the troops together and say, I want you to put your game face on, your war face on. And it was an attitude that they had to stand in. I used to look at some of my congregation and say, is that your war face? It's not that scary to me. But it was an attitude that they stood in. And that's what the gospel shoes are saying. The gospel shoes has two aspects to it. It means for you to always be prepared to receive peace no matter what happens. Understanding that the gospel has got a settled disposition where you say, God's got it. I can see all this around me, and even though the evidence might be against it, In my disposition, I am prepared to say, it's yours, Lord. And the second aspect to gospel shoes is, is that you are always prepared and ready to share the message of peace. So the first half of it is that you learn to receive the gospel peace and the realities that's in the gospel. And the second half of it is you're always willing to share it. Let's look at the first one, receiving and sharing peace. Now, you have to be grounded in the confidence in knowing what the gospel and the good news of Jesus has already done for you. You must be ready. Actually, we're talking about shoes on our feet, but what we're really talking about is filling your mind with the realities of what the gospel has already done. There's a readiness about you where you want to face life fueled by the peace, by what you have received, by accepting the good news. This is what I call an Elijah moment. Second Kings chapter, uh, verse 6. Uh, chapter 6. In 2 Kings 6, there's an army that comes against Elijah. And his friend and his servant says, oh, look at all these people that are against us. And Elijah says, really? Really? Those who are with us are much more than those who stand against us. And in that, in what Elijah has seen, he says to about his servant, open his eyes so he may be able to see all the angels and the chariots. In fact, the chariots of fire all around protecting and serving God's campaign. 
And some of us today need our eyes opened to everything that God is doing in our lives. You've got yourself sunken into your circumstances, but the cross hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. In fact, can I say to you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, I often think about that story. I think about that story in Elijah, and I just think, you know, there's those horses, you know, breathing that, those uh, kind of fumes, out, you know, their breath out of their mouths. They've got the bit ready to charge, and their eyes are kind of ready. Let's go get the Israelites. And an angel standing next to those horses saying, you take one step, and I'm going to break your neck. I thought my Bible said the angel of the Lord encamps around the saints of God. I thought that we have someone in Jesus who has defeated every foe. And I'm going to fill my mind with the reality of what I have in the gospel. Now, I'm not going to be unreal. I'm not going to deny that problems happen to me. But in the midst of my problems, I'm going to say, you, God, you've got it. You see, our peace sometimes is lost. It's lost when we sin. There's a man in the Old Testament called Haman who attacked a guy called Mordecai. And basically, Haman just got filled with pride and sinful hatred. And if he'd only backed off, admitted and stepped down, he wouldn't have lost his life. Sometimes we have done things that we know are not right for us and we have done that and, and we can think, you know, are you like me? When I do something wrong, I think of every reason why I, why I did it and all the excuses why I did it instead of just saying, I shouldn't have done that. I don't know, you may think, well, I was only 10% wrong. Can you not ask for forgiveness for the 10%? Because that 10% is going to be like a yeast, actually a cancer that will spread its way through the rest of your life. So we lose our peace because of sin. We lose our peace when we fail at some things. We lose our peace when uh, we repeatedly fail and we try at some things. But you know what God says to you? He says that if you'll persevere, he's forming your character. When you fail at something, I remember my daughter failing at her driving test. And she came home and said, I'm a failure. I said, no, you're not a failure. You just didn't pass a test. I wonder if you sometimes do that. When you fail, you say, I'm a failure. You're not a failure. God's just shaping you and molding you and protecting you and preserving you and making you full of perseverance so you can be better in the future. But sometimes when we fail, we lose our peace. And if you failed at something this week, let me say this to you. And I just want to just speak it into you. You are not a failure. God's shaping you. We, we lose our peace uh, sometimes when we have these unexpected distress and it comes from nowhere. Has it ever happened to you as a Christian? You're just walking along or you just, there's nothing wrong. Everything's great. Church is going great. Life's going great. Husband loves you. Husband even cooks for you. You know, the major miracles is not dead. He cooks for you and it's nice. Everything's going well. But then 
There's just kind of a blanket that comes over you that depresses you. Has that ever happened to you? And you think, I just can't snap out of it. And your peace is gone. That's when you need to stand on the authority of the word and begin to proclaim who you are in Christ. I'm going to teach you just three things of what you are in Christ in a few moments. But in those times, it's time not to make great decisions. It's time not to decide to divorce your husband. It's time not to decide to break up with your girlfriend. It's time not to decide to quit your job. You're in the middle of an attack. And what you need to do is simply stand. Stand. Just stand. Proclaim truth in your mind and it will pass as you walk in truth. But you know, the thing that I just felt that I needed to rest on is the thing that robs us of our peace often is a restlessness of spirit. A jumping from one thing to the next. A kind of sense whereby we just can't settle. And this will cause a lack of peace. We start something and we never finish it. Now, I know that when you start off in life, often lots of young people have several false starts. They try one job, they try another job, they try another job, and then eventually they come into the place that they need to be. It's not that they were wrong. God was just training them. And you know me. How many of you think you know my personality? Am I quiet and shy and retiring and think that God can't do much? I think God can do lots. I, I, you know, sometimes my temptation is, is giving God too much of a hand and not turning it over to him too much. But you know what? Against my personality, let me try and preach what I think the Lord's spoken to me that isn't coming from my personality. Because my personality is a go for it personality. It's a Nike just do it personality. But actually, I think I've got a word of the Lord for somebody today. I actually think it's for several people. I think God wants you to hear this. Just settle. Just settle. Dig your roots down. Your foundations down. Come to a settled place. I totally understand if you've got to change your job or some things are changing. But that doesn't mean to say you've got to keep jumping from one thing to the next in your spiritual life. It doesn't mean to say you've got to jump from one thing to the next in your prayer life. Just because some things are changing. Have a place of settledness in your life. Because when everything's unsettled, your peace goes. So can you hear the word of the Lord? Just settle. And God will speak to you. He'll lead you and bring you the peace that you need. You see, your knowledge and your dependence on all the benefits of the gospel will bring peace into your mind. Let me just talk about three benefits of being in the good news. First of all, you are complete in Christ. That what Christ has done in your life is that he, you're a work in progress, but there is a completion that is done where he's saying, I have forgiven you totally and I have given you everything you need so that you can progress. 
You're not lacking anything. Read your Bible. The Bible says that we are in him and complete in him. Colossians 3 verse 15 says this. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Well, you know what? When, when I was bringing up my children, sometimes you just know when, when they just won't let you calm them down. Has that ever happened to you? When, when you or, or you might have somebody who you think, there's no calming them. And actually, that's what this verse means. You know, I pick my children up sometimes and, and they'd be as stiff as a board. I will not be comforted by you, Father. My ancestors are all coming against you right now. And I call heaven and earth against you, Father, now. And I'm looking down at them going, is this my child or some sort of spiritual force? But you've all had that. The, and that was only when they were 29, I tell you. That was, <laughs> but you've all had that. This, this verse says, let the peace of God rule your heart. Give his peace permission. Fill your mind that, uh, with the things that are true. Fill your mind that what's true about you and what's true in God. And let that be. Actually, it means be the arbiter, be the umpire, be the judge of your life. Okay, here is the circumstance. Here's what God says you can do. Which one am I going to let rule me? Let the peace of God have his way in your life. Can I hear an amen? You know why I say, can I hear an amen? Because some of you, that might just irritate you and think, man, that's just a quirky thing that he does. You know, and why does it do that? You know the word amen means it shall be so, and I agree with it. And when I say that, I'm, I'm not doing it to kind of get a response. I'm trying to get your spirit to open up so that you can agree with it. The people who say amen, it's not that they don't know what you're talking about. It's what they do know what you're talking about, and they agree with it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. It shall be so. Let the peace of God rule you. The second thing that you need to understand about you that's really important is that there is no temptation given amongst men, no temptation at all that can be overcoming your life. Nothing. In the 1600s, John Bunyan wrote a famous parable called The Pilgrim's Progress. And even though it's quite difficult in Old English to understand. There's a principle in there where he brings out, he says, understand that all your opposition, even the strongest temptations that you feel beating in your breast, all your opposition is limited. He said this, look, the lion is chained. The Pilgrim's Progress talks about a character called Christian who is on his way to the great city. And it reads like this. He lifted up his eyes and behold, there was a very stately palace before him, which was beautiful. And it stood by the highway side. Now before he had gone far, he entered into a very narrow passage, which was about 
a quarter of a mile off the porter's lodge where he could rest. And looking very narrowly before him as he went, he saw two lions in the way. Now he thought, I thought he, I see the dangers that previous travelers named mistrust and lack of confidence that they had turned round and ran away. And they were driven back. Now the lions were chained, but he saw not the chains. Then Christian was afraid. And he thought also to himself to go back after those two companions. For he thought nothing but death was before him. But the porter at the lodge, whose name was Watchful, perceiving that Christian had come to a stop as if he would go back, cried out to him and said, Is your strength so small? Why not think of the disciples in the boat where Jesus said, Why be afraid? Just have faith in me. Fear not the lions, for they are chained, and they are placed there only for the trying of your faith. Where, where it is and how well your faith is doing. And for the discovery and the finding out of those who have none. And then this is the advice. Keep in the middle of the path and no hurt shall come to thee. You stay in the middle of truth and you will be all right. The reason why your temptations are strong is because you are walking in the circle of the lions. I once went to a scrapyard. Why is it that cars look so lovely in the showroom and then scrapyards are so horrible? It's like a sign of sin, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's how you are without Jesus. You're in the scrapyard. I once went to a scrapyard. It had this huge Doberman pincher. You know those black dogs that like... They're like demon, everyone of them's demon possessed. And it, but it was, came bounding up to me, but it was on a chain and it went, and it went, and so long as I stood out of the radius of the chain, I was all right. Talk to me, Doberman Pincher. Some of us were flirting with the edge too much. And the reason you've lost your peace is not because your temptations are worse than anybody else's. It's that you haven't kept to the middle of the path that says, follow me. Do what you know is right. And as you do that, God himself will be your protector. Hey, do you want this to be a, like a, a little lesson or shall we have an experience along with me? Just hold your hands out with me. Just put them out like this, if you will. If that's okay with you. Because the third thing about the benefits and the peace of the gospel is you always have Father's presence. And right now, why don't you just ask the Father to fill you with his presence? Whatever you're going through. Paul was in Corinth and he said this. He was trying to reach out in that city. And it says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I'm with you and no one will attack you or harm you. Because I've got many people in this city. 
And seeing as you hold your hands up now, why don't you say, God, I know that you are with me in theory. I know that your Bible says you're with me. But right now, I just ask you to fill me with your presence. See, the Bible says, give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out, because your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour. You see the pattern? Give your cares to God first, and then you can resist the devil. Come on, just ask his presence in your life. Three things that you have in Christ. You're completed in him, and you have everything you need to make your journey. You have God's word, and stay in the center of it, and you'll be okay. And the Father's presence is with you. Some of us are blaming our background why we can't receive peace or have the gospel. But you know one of the kindest people in the Old Testament was a man named Boaz. And Boaz was, was very kind to Ruth and, and actually transformed her life. But do you know that Boaz's ancestors, one of them was Rahab. She was a prostitute. And you might have a bad background. I'm not really particularly thinking I've had the best background but you know, your background isn't stronger than God's foreground. Your background isn't stronger than God's higher ground. Your background isn't stronger than the ground of Calvary. And God wants to heal that background of yours so that you can serve him. Your peace comes from the fact that you can accept the truths of God. And just for a few moments... I want to tell you about the other side of the, of the gospel shoes. That you put on shoes where you're ready to share the gospel no matter what. And please remain seated, but I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. Because we've got to be ready to share this message of peace in whatever way we can. And I believe God is going to give you and an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody this week. You know, it's really important that you understand that not only do you have peace, and you can depend on that peace, but you have a message of reconciliation. And, and Isaiah chapter 52 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. And one of the things is that you have to be ready to share the good news. And that's actually spiritual armour. But you know, Paul says to the Ephesians that Jesus came and he preached to some people who are near. He meant the Jews. He said some people, they were just near to God already. And then there are some other people who are far away. And Jesus came and preached to the far away. And there are some people in your life who you think are so far from God who you think they will never come to God and actually, Jesus is on a mission to reach far and bring them home. 
Me and Kathy are just so excited today. And I know that it's kind of being recorded. And we don't mind if she hears because she didn't mind. We, Kathy was able, we've been praying for Kathy's sister. And she's been so far away from God. We love her to bits. We've, we've helped her. And, and you know what? We called up a church in her town this week. And we said, would you visit our sister? And, and Kathy's sister is just re- recently widowed. So how wonderful were they that they sent somebody who'd also recently been widowed. And they were able to sit with her and comfort her and share with her and said, would you like to come to church? And you know what? She said, you know, I think I would. And we're so excited because, you know, we're thinking we've just prayed about it and been praying about it and praying about it. And Kathy just took courage to call a church and say, I wonder if, if you would help us with this. God bless them. They sent somebody and, and they've gone to visit her. And you know what? I said, we'll come pick you up Sunday morning if you want to come. And she said, yes. And so as we're in this church here, Kathy's sister's in a church. Isn't that great? You see, some fruit, you think it's far away and God's just saying, I can pick that fruit. You see, God loves me. I want to just let people know God's love. There was a painter one time and he was commissioned to paint the the prodigal son. You know, the son who'd ran away from the father and that the father was waiting for him to come back. And he did a great job. He got the pose, just, you know, father's embrace. And you know what? That phrase just sticks in my mind that right now, my heavenly Father is waiting to embrace you. It doesn't matter if the church has hurt you. It doesn't matter if some Christian's been stupid and said things that aren't true over you. You know what? My heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, He's waiting to embrace you back to Himself. And He can work out anything because God loves me. Anyway, this painter, he did a great job. The Father's embrace. The Son was running into His arms. I don't know about you, have you ever done decorating where you see just a spot that you've missed or, or something that's just out of order? Out of order? And the, the person who commissioned the painting, he saw on the father, he said, he's got one blue shoe and a red shoe. And even though the painting was great in every way, he couldn't stop his eyes looking at a blue shoe and a red shoe. And he said to the painter, surely you, you've painted this wrong. Did you, did you not mix it right? And he said, no, of course not. Do you think a father who wants to run and catch the son who's been away for a long time has got time to match his shoes and to worry about fashion he just put the same any shoes he could find whether they were odd or not because he so much wanted the son to come home he is the God of unmatched shoes and he loves you and the things that you've done wrong he can wipe them out in fact Peter said Repent, change your mind that your sins may be blotted out, wiped out. Because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price, His perfect price. It's not every little helps, it's the perfect, expensive, rich price. And you can decide to say, I want that. Could you share that with somebody? 
could you share those four little points with somebody? I'm going to ask our hosts in a moment, would you stand with me? And I just want to commission you to share that message. And so what we've done is we've had this little booklet printed and where you'll get it as a long piece like that. Take the heart part, fold it over, concertina it, and you can put it in a little booklet inside of you. Should we all stand? Let's all stand together. Oh, I love the God of the unmatched shoes. You see, some people are far, but some people are ready. Just as our host team are giving out these, what we want you to do is we want you to give this to somebody this week. Even if, listen, this week, you can't, this is not for you, this is to give away. You can't come back to church with it in your Bible next week. So even if you go to the petrol station, pay for your petrol, leave it on the counter and run off, that's okay. But we want you to give this out this week. Because somebody needs to hear that God loves me, that I've sinned, that the cross paid for that, but I can decide for it. Just everybody in the house, will you just raise your hand with me? And would you now say, I receive your peace. Not in the world gives. Peace. For your good news is for me. And can I commission you to go and share a message with peace with someone? Even if it's only posting it through a door. Could I just ask, is there anybody here that you would like to accept Jesus right now? That you'd like to say, you know what, I've been coming along and things have come in my mind that I think God loves me and that I have sinned and I would just like to come home to Jesus. Is there anybody you'd just like to put your hand straight up and you'd like to say, yeah, I'd like to come to Jesus today. I'm going to make a, a kind of good news appeal every week from now on. Is there anybody here? So you can bring your friends every week. Is there anybody at all who'd like to just lift their hand and say, yeah, I would like to receive God into my life. Anyone at all? Anybody in the house? You might have a situation at your workplace or your family where, or anything, and you might want to receive prayer about anything. As we sing this song, if there's anything that's destroying your peace or you want to give to God and receive peace in it, then I'm going to ask you to come to the front. In fact, you can start doing that now as George begins to sing. God bless you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. If there's anything we can pray for you about, anything at all, actually, it may not even relate to the message that I've said, but you're just saying, you know what? I would like someone to pray with me about this. We want to welcome you because we love you and we want you to be prayed for. 
Would you lead us in a worship song, George? God bless you. Come on, man. That's fine. Is there anyone else where you need some prayer?